Happy National Sandwich Month. This is Liz, and here's what Popping Collars is baking up for your podcast feed in the month of August 2022. You're used to us serving up the traditional wrap of religion, hiding in pop culture. But this month, we flip all of that around when we talk about our favorite popular representations of church and faith. We've added some garnish to our latest episode of The Canon when our brand new panel of guests draft their favorite movie musicals. Going on 30 comes with an extra slice of cheese this month when Betsy and Greg look back at the melodramatic classic The Prince of Tides. Greg is looking back on his Camino de Santiago journey with special guest Ryan Parker on this month's Sacred Six. The two of them chew on the physically hardest crust of the Camino Trail when they talk about the region of Basque Country and Navarre. Finally, the Popping Collars Book Club is back this month as Ricardo and I grill the latest books we've been reading. Thanks to listening to the PBNJ of Episcopal Podcasts that keeps the chips on the side and the collars popped. Hi, I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a popping collar side project where we explore our repressed memories. <sighs> you made it. <laughs> I don't want to. Where do you want to start? Uh, we explore our repressed memories of movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago. This month, we're looking at The Prince of Tides. I've learned all I know about love from the women in my life. My daughters. My sister. My wife. My mother. The children blame me for everything. I spoke to Savannah's doctor. She wants one of us to go up there right away. Hello. I'm Dr. Lowenstein. What do you want from me? I, I need you to be her memory, in a sense, and fill in the missing details. <laughs> I spent my life trying to forget those missing details. <laughs> why would she do that? What are you all hiding? This is not about me. Then why are you so upset? Because I don't like being lied to. I don't like secrets. <laughs> it took a woman I hardly knew to help me face my past to make me feel my pain, to bring me back to life. <laughs> Columbia Pictures presents a story of mothers and sons. You know, you turn into like a real jerk every time my mother's around. What are you trying to do, impress her? You're totally out of line, Bernard. You're not mad at him, you're mad at me. Save that crap for your patience, Mom. Husbands and wives. You've met somebody in New York, haven't you? I don't know. I think she's having an affair with my husband. What do you think you're doing? That's Teddy Paris is worth over a million dollars. Apologize to your wife. For... You're bluffing. I'm sorry, Susan! Friends and lovers. The thought of falling in love terrifies me. Then let's just be friends. Very good friends. 
behind all the joy. Hi, Eddie. You look fabulous this morning. Could I interrupt something vile? <laughs> Ask him. And all the tears. <gasps> lie the memories that haunt us. And the truth that sets us free. From one of the best-loved novels of our time. Barbara Streisand. Nick Nolte. The Prince of Tides. Uh, Betsy, I have... Whoa, whoa. I have a very brief description of this movie. Would you like to hear it? The less I can hear about this movie, the better. Please go ahead. Right. Uh, A troubled man talks to his suicidal sister's psychiatrist. In a manic fashion. I'm sorry, keep going. About their family history and falls in love with her in the process. This is a confusing sentence. I I assume he falls in love with the psychiatrist and not Not the sister. There we are. Uh, Betsy, what is your history with the movie Prince of Time? (sighs) I thought that I had seen this movie before, Mm. perhaps in a torturous, under duress type situation. Right. I thought that I'd seen it before. And but then when I watched it, I was like, I mean, there's there's vague stuff about it because it ends up in, you know, Barbara Streisand highlight reels because she directed it and whatever. But I'm like, it's not like I'm watching a lot of Barbara Streisand either. So when I watched it, I would have some vague memories of things that felt familiar Mm -hmm. and then things like what's happening. Like, so I don't. This was not one I was storming out to the movie theater to consume. That's totally fair. My history with this movie goes all the way back to a week ago when I watched it. Yeah, there you go. For the first time. (laughs) Yep. Um, I will say before that, I was aware of the poster for this movie. I don't know why that is. Like sometimes movie posters stick in your brain and sometimes they don't. But for whatever reason, The Prince of Tides... Like when I heard the title for the movie, I immediately had in my mind the image of Nick Nolte caressing Barbara Streisand. So like I knew what the movie poster was, but I'd never seen the movie. And I have the my context for the movie at the time was, you know, in the late 80s, you know, people had white people in particular, a real deep love Design. For Pat, for Pat Conroy. But like, even now, if I speak to people of a certain age, right, maybe now they're like in their 50s and 60s, love themselves some yeah. Pat Conroy. Is it like how Zennials love Nicholas Sparks? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that. Yes. Yes. I feel like they're in a similar zone. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. What are your initial thoughts? Hot takes? The Prince of Tides. The fetishizing of the South. I didn't know whether you knew, Greg, that I am from Alabama and a unique flowering creature. Yes. Being from the state of Alabama. I didn't know whether you knew that. And did you know that you were a unique flowering creature being from Greensboro, North Carolina? Did you know that? I I did. I did know that. Um, we would be more unique if there was some water and some wetlands involved mm-hmm. with where we were from. Is it, so, is it South Carolina? Is that what yes? Is? Yes. Okay. So there's this fetishizing 
preciousizing of the South and, and especially compared with big, bad New York City where everybody's mean and the mm. trash guys and the cabs and everybody yells at each other like the stereotypes mm-hmm. because we're just so I mean, we're, they really want to drive home the two different worlds. Right. That these two individuals have come from. It's so oh, yeah. overwrought. And and her, and then you also have to talk about Streisand as an actor in this. I don't actually mind her mm-hmm. as a director in this situation. I've got some questions. I mean, there was one moment where he was like really doing that big disclosure. And it really looks like someone is essentially shining a spotlight on Barbara Streisand. The the shadow behind her is so intense. I'm like, are they in the same room with each other? I just don't even (laughs) don't even know just the set direction choices. I've never been to a dinner party. And I wrote this with periods. So many candelabras. Right. So many, with the revelation of so many affairs. Tom, you should talk to Madison. He's a great admirer of Southern authors. Faulkner, Flannery O'Connor, Eudora Welty. Oh, I love all those renegade Confederates. You mean you love excess and eccentricity? <laughs> it's true to all mad as headers, are they? I suppose you know a few things about madness, Tom. A bit. Tom's sister is the poet Savannah Wingo Madison. Are you familiar with her work? Yes, she's good. Very good. She's a patient of Susan's. I don't think that's appropriate, Herbert. Darling, everyone knows you're the great psychic healer of the literary community. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't get a share of your author's royalties. What have you been drinking, Herbert? Oh, you should ask Tom. He poured it. You weren't trying to poison me, were you? Not intentionally. But you know how the subconscious mind works. <laughs> I like you, Tom. I like your feistiness, your Tara-like pride. You promised you wouldn't do this. You're right, Susan. I shouldn't be picking on Tom. I should be picking on you for turning my son into a Quasimodo in a football uniform. Susan, I can't believe you'd let Bernard play a game that might hurt his hands. And I can't believe you'd come to my house when everyone knows you're f- my husband. Mm. Just it's oh my god! It, it's just very soapy, and I think your Nicholas Sparks comparison is actually pretty good. Yeah, you know. And I was complaining about the movie to a colleague who's a little bit older, who loves himself some Pat Conroy, friend of the mm-hmm. podcast, Steve Castle, uh, from our Friday Night Lights, and he's like, "Oh, but if you read the book, you know, the character Luke, the brother, is just like he was so much better." In the book, the book, the book, the book. And that 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 really, the, I, mean, I guess there is a feeling that the movie did not do justice mm. to the book. You brought up the melodrama of the affairs in this movie. I'm cool with melodrama. Like, I I actually find it fun a lot. What is, now, now, what exactly is the definition of, mel- is it melodrama? Is it melodrama? What are you saying? No, the idea of a melodrama is that it's a heightened... Okay, so dramatic. it's mellow. Yeah, but it's not mellow. It's not mellow. M-E- Melodrama. O-drama. Yeah. M-E-L-O drama. Yeah, okay. I'm just making sure. Yeah. A sensational dramatic piece with exaggerated characters yep. and exciting events intended to appeal to the emotions. There you go. This movie was not fun. No. Because, mm-hmm. okay. So this is what I wrote. I was like, all right, let me see if this tracks for what the movie is that I just watched constant sex with my therapist. 
which is morally justified because both my wife and her husband cheated with other people already. Yep. Yep. Makes it all okay. Allowed me to appreciate my family who I rarely see for months on end. That's kind of the moral that I kind of got from this movie. Well, I I think it's like when you do, remember when I forget which math it was where you got to just like cancel things, canceled each other out, like across the problem. And then you ended up, maybe it's chemistry. And then you ended up with what it is you were looking for. It was a proof. I don't know, whatever it is. That's what was happening here. Yes. Oh, affair, affair. Okay, great. Oh, you know. okay. So we're cool then. If oh, we, they're both they're okay. both nice and interesting people and good at conversation. Okay. Oh, check. and having an affair with you makes me realize how much I love the people that I abandoned. So okay. I will <laughs> return back to Gwyneth Paltrow's mother. I've got a couple of more silly notes. Okay, Streisand's great. office. It looks like a log cabin. Like I don't I don't know what's going on with the decor. Note number two. What is George Carlin doing? I mean, thank God George Carlin <laughs> popped up and he would come in amazing times as the, the fun gay neighbor right? who has good parties and oh. friends in the leather community. <laughs> OK, finally, note number three. And this is where Jason Gould comes back in. I'm pretty sure no one involved with this movie knows that football is a team sport. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have never seen someone get individually coached in football. No, <laughs> that is no. wild. It is wild. And that his skills improve, yet his look is the same. That's so fascinating. It's too speaking bad. of um, speaking of movies getting sports wrong, Betsy, I've got a top five. Top five. Yeah. Awesome. I've got I was going to I was going to surprise you again with the top five reasons this movie sucked. But I figured those would just oh, I beat you to our it. conversation. I beat you so to it. I'm excited. OK, so what is it? Betsy, I've got the top five movies that get sports wrong. Oh. Yeah. Top five did movies you, that get sports r- totally wrong. Did you attempt a top five of actors acting with their children? No, that would have been a good one, too. Because I had wondered. I, sometimes I try to guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yes. Got it. Yeah. No. So I went, I went for top five movies that get sports wrong instead. Sorry. Okay, got it. Uh, oh, well, honorable I, mention. Honorable yeah. mention. <laughs> I have an honorable mention uh, because this isn't actually a sport, but it's the movie Basketball. I would say that the sport that's in that movie makes absolutely no sense. I have okay. no idea what's happening. Okay, yeah. another piece of cinema that I have yet to consume, so I have really have no opinion about that. So go. I hope it doesn't pop up on a later going. I hope not. I hope not. Let's Better see. not. All right, number five. Number five, Jerry Maguire. All right. How are sports wrong here? Yeah. So at the end of the movie, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. scores a uh, touchdown. Yes. And then celebrates for about 20 minutes on the field. Yeah, that would not be And does an allowed. interview on the field about how he's getting paid more money <laughs> because he made this touchdown. It's um, It would never happen in a football never. game. Uh, Rod Tedwell's no. celebration is ridiculous. That's a, you know what I say to that, Greg? Flag on that play. Excessive mm-hmm. celebration. Mm-hmm. Flag yeah, totally play. flagged. He's getting suspended, right. basically, is what's going to happen. He's he yeah, he might he's not gonna play in the next game. <laughs> no, not, no. Next not only is he all not right, gonna okay. get paid, he's not gonna play. He's not gonna play. Yeah. Uh, all right, number four. Number four, Caddyshack. Nothing about the match play at the end of that movie makes any sense. You could not explain to me what the score is in the okay. match game at the end of Caddyshack. Got it. Got it. I mean, golf is really the backdrop 
to yeah. whatever else is happening there yeah. for sure. sure. Okay. Got it. All right. Uh, number three, number three days of thunder. Tom Cruise can just drive to the front from last place in NASCAR with no issues whatsoever. He can just, he just passes every car no matter what to get to the front. Even and if I know he, like, wrecked his car like 10 laps ago. And I know you've watched that movie yeah, watched many, that movie. many times. Cause it's yeah. in the, the, the Greg Knight family library. Exactly. So I think it's pretty cool. It is. It is. Okay. All right. Number two. Okay. Number two, Rocky four, specifically okay. the fight where uh, Apollo Creed gets killed. Okay. And then the fight uh, with Rocky at the end, there is no referee in boxing that would let either of those fights continue. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> like, Got it. I'm sorry. Got it. You can't get beaten to death. And where's the, the where's the union? Where's the where's the union? Where's the where's the league? This I don't is, even know this, what you call this it. Is the some bad officials. referees. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is some bad referees. All right. Number one movie that gets sports wrong. Number what one is movie is Teen Wolf, which not is, Teen Wolf two with Jason not Teen Bateman. Wolf two. Teen Wolf with Michael okay. J. Fox. Not only does it get car surfing wrong which is a yeah. terrible thing to do never car surf whatever that is don't, don't do but that. the basketball in this movie is just atrocious it is the worst basketball ever in any movie bar none this movie doesn't understand what the game of basketball is <laughs> that's how bad it is <laughs> okay all right got it all right all right there we go um betsy what is the best scene in the movie, The Prince oh, of Tennis. God. And I knew this was question was coming, and I... Is it the one where Nick Nolte's uh, southern accent comes in and out? That's all the scenes, Greg. Oh, you're right. That's, oh, that's true. I would probably say it is just the ridiculousness of the dinner party. It is just <laughs> ridiculous. As I said, the candelabra game is so on. Could you right? imagine? So you're sitting at this dinner party and all of a sudden someone's like, well, it's only because you're sleeping with my husband. And then someone's like, hmm, delicious chicken. Right. <laughs> it's like, they just keep having dinner. I, just, I don't get it. It's, you don't get it. You don't get it. I mean, it just shows how much of a universe swirls around this, this husband, this, this star violinist right um herbert woodruff mm -hmm. oh okay um my best scene is the shrimp boat scene with grandma the child of a beautiful woman i was also a shrimper's son in love with the shape of boats As a small boy, I loved to navigate my father's shrimp boat between the sandbars. I suppose Henry Winger would have made a pretty good father if he hadn't been such a violent man. Which is a little weird, oh. but like, there's something about... So this was the part of the movie where I was like, hold on a second. I thought that this was like a melodrama, and now you're actually doing something that's kind of interesting like what are you doing movie what's the dad's name henry i guess henry. yeah so he's he's like a monster yeah for the first half of this movie and then like right in the middle of the movie tucked away is this little scene where he's just the most 
fabulous grandpa that you've ever seen in your life. And you're just like, whoa, complexity in a movie? Like, oh my God, I don't quite understand but they don't what's do, happening. I don't feel like they do enough with it. They don't do a whole lot with it. But I will say that the best line from the movie comes in that scene to me, which is when Nick Nolte says to his dad, who, again, is a fiend and a horrible person. He says, they love you, dad. And I, th- I was like, that's a great line. Because yeah. this guy has done nothing to deserve love this entire movie. Mm-hmm. And yet his grandchildren adore him. I think that that's really interesting. I would yeah. rather watch a movie about that. <laughs> I mean, right. Uh, so what is your best performance? of the uh, movie? That youngest blonde child. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, this is a movie that I mean, the subject matter is harsh, right? This fetishizing of Southern families within abuse and parental neglect and parental abuse and spousal yeah. abuse and alcoholism. And I mean, so many trauma triggers all over this film, not something where it's, it's hard because there is so much, you know, sex and love and all these other things in it, but it's not like you would sit down and be like, Ooh, this is a great date movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. mm, no, not yeah. really. Yeah. So I think who I enjoyed watching the most on the screen was Barbara Streisand. Yeah, I guess. Because I was kind of like, oh, I feel slightly invested in her. So I'm picking her performance as an actress, not as a director. Okay. The Jewishness of this movie is really interesting. Barbara Streisand as a Jewish woman, Mm -hmm. you know, making these choices. But then I'm also thinking, well, this was written by Pat Conroy. Right. Is not a Jewish woman. And so it <laughs> makes me interested as to how the therapist is portrayed in the book. Right. But this movie felt older than yeah. the year it was released. Yeah. The music, say, lots of choices. I would agree old. with that. It feels like it feels like it would be of a piece with something like Rain Man yeah. or something like that. Not not Silence of the Lambs, which is yeah. what we've got next. So. Yeah. Um my best performance is like is um I have no idea how to say his first name. Crabbe? Jerowen Crabbe? Basically, the violinist. The husband violinist that's in this movie. The bad guy. Yes, I saw you at the Charleston Music Festival uh, last summer. Brahms Violin Concerto. Bar talk. (laughs) Have you ever seen the Stradivarius of Colston? This is the finest instrument ever made. Everyone, I'm going to play something in Mr. Wingo's honor. (laughs) It's not that often we have southern guests. (laughs) What would you like to hear, Coach? I'm afraid I don't know many football songs. Yes, well, anything's fine with me. Damn it all, heard 
that Mozart sure cranked out some snappy tunes. <laughs> Could you do me a favor and fix me a scotch and soda, please? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Who is he? That's a friend of Susan's. Some football coach. <laughs> The bad guy is the guy you pick out here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that guy. I thought he was like, he played a really good jerk. And it made me think when I saw him, I was like, oh, that's the dude from The Fugitive. Ladies and gentlemen, our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injuries, four miles an hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or dog house in that area. Checkpoints go up in 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. And so that fugitive. made me think, I really want to watch The Fugitive now. <laughs> I bet the fugitive is in the adult movies library. The fugitive is not in the adult. What? I there's no Harrison Ford. I don't think in the adult. Oh, they. You know what? I bet they felt like they had to be on if they were on Team Tom Cruise. They uh, couldn't be on Team Harrison so? Ford. Maybe. maybe. Although, wait, Air Force One. I think maybe in the, oh. in the parent vault. So oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> We'll see. Anyway, Jeroen Crabbe. I, you know, I, I thought he injected energy. It was bizarre energy, but it was energy in the middle of a kind of a dull romp to that point. It so. does seem like he had a real American film streak Yeah, around this time, kind of from like 1989. Yeah. You know, a little bit through this film up and, you know, he did The Living Daylights, mm-hmm. James Bond and The Fugitive. But it's a lot of foreign films there's a picture here from the living daylights and he is definitely a russian officer mm. <laughs> yeah so he's he's gonna play foreign baddies yeah uh hey betsy i've got some stats about this movie i'm excited about it. stats 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 and jerome crabbe was also in deuce bigelow yeah, oh there you okay, go yes okay there we go yeah the Prince what of Tides that? opened on December 25th, 1991. Okay, December 25th? December 25th, 1991. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Jack Nicholson. Now they were, that's Oscar, that's Oscar bait release date. Not only Oscar bait release date, but as Ben Herman, my uh, Jewish friend back home, who I have been able to connect with since I've been back home, would say, this is a Jewish Christmas movie. Yes. <laughs> that is true. There you go. There you go. This day in 90210. Da-da-da-da. Oh. It was a rerun? Uh, was, no. Well, no. No. It was season two, episode 19, titled Fire and Ice. In this episode, Brandon learns about the commitment required of young athletes training for the Olympics. When he falls for an ice skater. I have no memory of that episode. Oh, really? You don't remember when Brandon was on the hockey team and he fell in love with the ice skater and it was basically just a retelling of that 
movie. Oh, of the cutting edge. Time. Yeah, the cutting edge. Dang, nine hundred two one zero. Yeah, Don't rip off. Come on, is that Brendan Fraser? Who's in that movie? Off the cutting edge. No, it was the guy from uh, E.B. Sweeney. Yeah, uh, uh, and the amazing Maura Kelly. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and they redid it on nine hundred two one zero. There you go. Wow! Wow. The Prince of Tides had a domestic gross of $75 million, making it the number 16 grossing movie of 1991. That is really good numbers for a movie wow. like this. It's amazing. Okay. It is the number 1,108th top grossing movie of all time between <laughs> Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Which one's that one? It's the one with Christopher Plummer, I think. <laughs> Where the Klingons frame. Hey, hold on, Kirk. hold on, Greg. I have a brief description of this movie. Would you like to hear it? Yes, I would. Okay. On the eve of retirement, Kirk and McCoy are charged with assassinating the yes. Klingon High Chancellor and in prison. The Enterprise crew must help them escape to thwart a conspiracy aimed at sabotaging the last best hope for peace. Yes. Okay. Star okay. Trek Six, The Undiscovered <laughs> Country, and. Uh, the Prince of Tides and Poltergeist is the movie Ooh. that's on the other side of this. So, oh. Flirt, Mary, Kill, you get Star Trek VI, The Prince of Tides, or Poltergeist. All right. I'm going to flirt with Undiscovered Country. <laughs> it really is. Murder the Prince of Tides and marry Poltergeist. That's the only answer. That's the only the possible only answer. answer. You flirt yeah. with Star Trek VI, you marry Poltergeist, you kill. Do. Of tides. Absolutely. Yeah. Poltergeist. Sneaky good movie. Sneaky good. This movie has a, this movie, as in The Prince of Tides, has a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. That sounds about right. Uh, Roger Ebert, is he one of those 70% that likes the movie? What do you think, Betsy? Yes. Of course he is. Ugh. Roger Ebert says, this is an assured and very serious love story. That allows neither humor nor romance to get in the way of its deeper and darker subject. Three and a half out of four stars. Oh, golly. I love this quote because it's like, it's Raj saying, look, I don't want my movies to be funny or romantic. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> There's deeper, darker depths we need to plumb. Right. I did have a question earlier. The Cottonwald or Collinwald, Grindelwald, mm -hmm. whatever the word was that she was saying. Right. Yeah, yeah. The prison. I know there's no Google at this time. Right. Like you can't look up that that's a prison. Yeah. Like, come on, man. And then there was a moment when I do believe it was either him or her who said, I feel your pain. <laughs> right. Which yeah, is, she did say, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. And she's a huge, like, Bill Clinton donor. Uh-huh. Right? And, and that, that was 90, all I could think of. Well, but this is 91. So so he would have been campaigning. But did he yeah. do, I feel your pain in 91? Like, was it that early? Can't remember. Anyway. And she is. So I, I just found those two things interesting. Yeah. No. Yeah. The, the, the whole word thing was super weird. It's like, she keeps saying Rikers. Rikers, does that Rikers. mean? Rikers, I don't. What is that? Does Rikers mean anything? Like, I, okay. Uh, Janet Maslin of the New oh, York yeah. Times also loved it. She says the Prince of Tides 
marks Miss Streisand's triumphantly good job of locating that story's salient elements and making them come alive on the screen. Triumphantly good job. It's a triumphantly okay movie. <laughs> it feels like she put like a sticker next to her grade. Good job. Well, smiley face. This isn't just any good job. This is a triumphantly good job. Oh, no. Okay. How did it do at the Oscars? It won no Oscars. However, it was Whoa. nominated for one, two, three, four, five, six Oscars in addition what? to Best Picture. Yes. This is a crazy one. It got snubbed, but lots of nominations, like seven total nominations. What do you think this movie was nominated for? It's so hard when it's a movie that you do not like right. to come up with. Yeah. Okay. okay. So best picture. Right. She didn't get nominated for director, did she? She did not get nominated. Okay. For did she get nominated for acting? She did not get nominated for acting. Did he get nominated there are, for acting? There are two acting nominations in this movie. I wish one of them was for George Carlin. But... <laughs> so Nick Nolte, did he, he get nominated? Nick Nolte was nominated for Best Actor. The other one, you're never going to get. Hold Kate... on. Oh. No, no, hold on. Give me a second. Oh. The other one, you're never going to get. It was the mom. Yes, you're yeah, right. Uh, Kate, that was... Kate Nelligan. Kate Nelligan is her name. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Was it nominated for screenplay? Yes, Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, cinematography? Yes, Best Cinematography for all I of mean, those glowing you know, those shots of South Carolina. Helicopter shots over the wetlands. That's right. Over the tide plane. <laughs> That's right. Um, so how many is that so far? Picture? Uh, so you've gotten one, actor, two, three, actor, four, four out of six. Yeah. You're going to have to tell me the other two. It, it received a nomination for best set decoration. Now I'm guessing that that's because of the Lincoln log office. <laughs> plus, plus that beautiful Southern home one in a bingo tournament or whatever, whatever, whatever <laughs> the, book, the bookstore. I don't know. Anyway, best, best set decoration. And it was nominated for best score. James Newton Howard did the score for this. Huh. Interesting. Not a not a sticky score for me. I cannot sit here and hear it in my head right now. No, it was a little. There was also a lot of that kind of just so dated, like weird ambient sax music that would play and these connective. Oh, just okay. They broke into a house. Three men. Mama cried to help us talk. I wanted to, but I couldn't. One of them raped Savannah. One of them raped my mother. I guess that's not the answer to all of Savannah's problems. But I thought you should know. God, yes. What's Kellenwald? It's a prison they escaped from. Um, <clears throat> how old was Savannah when this happened? Thirteen. And, um, wh what were you doing while this was going on? You don't know? Maybe you ran for help? No. Why not? Why do you think you didn't? Just cause. That's a child's answer, Tom. You said before that, um, three men came in. What happened to the third man? Tom? Where was he? 
Okay, let's talk about the legacy of this movie. Betsy, I have written Trauma and Therapy, which we haven't really talked about so far. We haven't really been given an opportunity to talk about it. Here is a movie that delves into the world of psychiatry and therapy and does so in a way that makes no one want to participate. (laughs) Well, I mean, if it's, if he's kind of supposed to be us, right. The reluctant Mm -hmm. person who then, but then what does success look like if you sleep with your therapist? Like, I mean, Hollywood has a history of doing disservice to the psychiatric sciences right history Mm -hmm. of inappropriate relationships you know looking at you sopranos you know i could probably think of a ton of other things right you know that that get in that category yeah so which is all all unfortunate there's something really intriguing here i mean honestly like if the movie really tried Mm -hmm. then you know what's what's really at stake here is what do we bury and why do we bury it right now there's a good movie in there like you just said the sopranos right like that's a there's a that's a good way of doing this mm-hmm. but it's like i don't know the early 90s were filled with movies like this i i wonder when when did therapy kind of break through was it goodwill hunting was like the first movie that was like actually why don't we try to take this seriously and see what happens you know well know. and even there he crosses boundaries too yeah which he wouldn't cross otherwise yeah, but everything up to that moment, like everything up to the breakthrough moment feels like real work. I don't know. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. But again, I mean, it's like if you do the profession right, isn't it kind of boring? Right. You know? Oh, yeah. It's super boring. Like right. not, not cinematic at all. No, yeah. not enough. You know, there, there is something, though, like for us as a religion podcast, a religion and pop culture podcast. If there's one thing that seems pretty common amongst religious folks that I've worked with anyway, it's this tendency towards repression, like Mm -hmm. just not talking about your feelings, not talking about your trauma, using religion as a way to bury that stuff, or just trying to find a way to move on in life. I don't know. I feel like, um, I feel like this movie has a lot that it could offer. But the way that it sets up, it kind of feels like it does more harm than good. You know, it's like it's a very like eye rolly kind of look at therapy. And I wonder if that actually affects how people would think that therapy could be helpful in their life. Potentially. I mean, one, it's also these cliches of his that as this is how Southern families behave. Mm hmm. Right. That that kind of because that's another legacy of this film, I think, is there, too, is is the fetishizing of the South. Yeah. You know that, you know, oh, well, aren't you from, you know, let's let's discover the South in a, you know, in this non newsreel racism kind of like it's almost like the the PR came out and said, well, we got to we got to get a better image going. This is not really working. Yeah. It's the late 80s. Like, come on, let's get it together. And, <laughs> you know, that's so that kind of starts to become this uh, romanticizing yeah. of it. Let's get a movie out there that shows people that we don't talk about our problems. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. We don't talk about our problems downhill. <laughs> that's, yes. that's not what we do, y'all. Yes. Thank you. 
Sorry, that was a little bit foghorn leghorn. That was. Oh, the thank you. Thank you for that. Well, I was I was going for Nick Nolte's <laughs> accent in this movie, where he tries to go in and out of a southern accent and fails miserably. Who is this uh, movie for? That's it. It is for people who over are over forty who want to have hot sex. Is it hot sex? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think, Do we need to break down the sex? In this no, no, no. Okay. I'm saying I think they think it's hot. Okay. Because we're gonna have sex outdoors. We're gonna have sex in front. Oh yeah. We're gonna have. Oh yeah. We're just gonna, you know, kind of all the places. We're gonna have a cabin we can go on away to yeah. on a couch. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the foot of the bed. Ooh. I mean, there's all. <laughs> There's weird hallway stuff like yeah. there, there's there's a lot of wow. <laughs> hey friends don't put yourself on the shelf there's some options out there for you right <laughs> how about that I guess if you're Nick Nolte and you well and Black Dan or she also jog while to, smoking cigarettes yeah the other yeah wife wants to go and you know this person loves me he knows what to what to think about me you haven't touched mm. me in years there you go who do you think um, a uh, classic boomer movie here. Yeah. Uh, I wrote a um, big, big movie for Streisand fans. I would imagine if, if that's, that's who you had hitched your wagon to. I bet you were big into this movie. Yeah. I'm real happy. Uh, what is your rating for this movie out of five? I will give this movie a one. Oh, point wow. five. Wow. That yeah. puts the Prince of Tides as My the worst movie that you have watched so far. <laughs> on this year's goal. It actually made Bugsy look slightly wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I also gave this movie a one out of five. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So we are simpatico. Simpatico. Uh, I would say uh, what I wrote is sometimes the movie's just not for you. And this is one of those movies for me. Yeah. Not yep. for me. Not That's for all. You. Honestly, I could see people having a good time at this movie. Just not me. That's all. So that's why I gave it a one. Bugsy, I couldn't see anybody having a good time. Uh, Why do you think the Academy nominated this movie? I think it's the Venn diagram of Streisand, Mm. Conroy. Mm -hmm. Nolte? Is Nolte a big deal? Maybe. I mean, let's. if you look at what he's up to Mm -hmm. at this moment in his career, right? Mm -hmm. 48 hours was was a bit ago, right? Yeah, if we think about yeah. movies, we know Nick Nolte. Has another 48 hours happened at this point? Wait, he was a racist in 48 hours too, right? Right. Yeah. It seems to be. What's uh, going on with Nick Nolte? Oh. Who uh, <laughs> knows? So he's got. All right. He's in a couple of Barbara Streisand music videos after this. Oh. I, I bet she, she must have done an original song for the soundtrack. Maybe, places that belong to you and for all we know mm. so he was in cape fear right before this oh wow yeah cape right fear. that was a big yeah. film for him Scorsese. another 48 hours had come out the year before mm-hmm. right uh you know new york stories oh woody allen yeah he had done that a few years before and then what's coming after this is you got the player Coming next now, year. he's one of like a hundred celebrities. Lorenzo's Oil, Susan okay. Sarandon, Oscar Beatty, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Trouble, 
1994 with oh. Julia Roberts, yeah. Jefferson in Paris, Mulholland Falls is coming. So, I mean, the 90s are not, they're, they've got some high points for him. I feel like, uh, <coughs> I feel like Gary Busey would have been better in this spot. Nick Nolte. In this movie? Yeah. I don't know whether I could have bought them as a couple. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. You take, you take Gary Busey, basically take the same character from Point Break, and you put it in this movie. Yeah. And it makes the movie better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel like on the Venn diagram of what the Oscars are looking for, this movie like hits the center of like all of it. It's like yeah. important celebrities, like showy drama, you know, based on a best-selling novel, like, it kind of hits. It hits all the markers. Yeah. Uh, okay. That is it. We have finished The Prince of Tides fairly painlessly. What did Emily say about this movie? Um, her comment is not great. Oh, not appropriate for the. Point. Well, I don't know. I mean, she, she, <laughs> I don't. I think she watched this movie too young. I don't oh, know how man. she saw it. Because, because, <laughs> listener, you know, last we we had wondered about Emily's opinion on Point Break. Right. And I asked her post fact uh, after the fact, and she said <laughs> she actually has never seen it, which I don't understand how we were in the same house. How because she said she finds Patrick Swayze really kind of invasive and creepy. It's unacceptable. unacceptable. Which is not acceptable. I'm sorry. Um, we may, we may cut this Emily feature. <laughs> well, um, want to make your voice hurt <laughs> about the Prince of Science email us. Podcast at gmail.com. Tell us how wrong we are and why this is a five star. I'm really interested in who like the Prince of Tides stands are out there. Exactly. They get together and like act it out, like while the movie plays, like Rocky Horror style. Oh my God. What would you bring to throw at the screen to a Rocky Horror style Prince of Tides (laughs) showing? (laughs) Right. Throw cigarettes, right? Half smoked smoked Nick Nolte cigarettes. You just throw like some shrimp, just like. Just just tossing them around. That's right. His shrimp that, dish. I will say, you know what I should have said? The best thing about this movie, that shrimp dish that he makes boom. in her apartment looked amazing. Wow. But too bad it too bad it traumatized him. <laughs> had him, had yeah. him bringing up memories of his abusive father from shot. Oh man. Oh. Wow, what a movie. Okay. Next okay. up, let's lighten the mood. Silence of the Lambs. Woo! Let's keep it rolling. Speaking of movies that get psychiatry right, here we go. Here Silence we go. Of the Lambs. That's exactly what we want. Our next movie. Liz is going to be so proud of us for watching Silence of the Lambs. Absolutely. Betsy, thank you for teaching me how to play football. You were the best coach I ever had. Well, and I'm going to love actually playing with other people at some point. It's going to be great. Having teammates? Well, you know. Wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to start a career as an individual football player. I know you will excel. Here I go. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye.